Welcome to Season 5, Episode 6 of the Zebra Before and After Podcast. I'm your host, Lane Ball. When I picked it up, it was stained. So it was like a very orangey, stained look. And I, I could tell it was burl underneath the, the stain, and so that's why I was so drawn to it. And actually, my friend that came with me, he I think he was kind of like, why are you buying this? <laughs> um, you know, he didn't see the potential. Like, I saw that. I was like, if I know when I find something, if I'm willing to go get it right then, that means I want it bad enough. Today we hear from Karen of the Cozy Cottage, winner of the Best of Restored Wood Unpainted in the 2022 International Zebra Golden Brush Awards. She'll share the details on her restored wood piece, but also take time to share tips on when to paint and when not to paint. Tiffany with Refab 6 shares her tips on what she does before she begins painting her pieces. Our question of the week, what is your biggest furniture refinishing fear that you have overcome, will be answered by our friends Joanna with Painting by the Penny, Anastasia with Furniture by Anastasia, Crystal with Foster Farmhouse Furniture, and Robin with RMP Designs. Christine with Driftwood Home shares her worst furniture blooper in our new furniture blooper segment. Stay with us, friends. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. We are working through all the interviews of the category winners in the Zebra Golden Brush Awards, and it has been a joy to give this platform to each of them to highlight their talents as well as hearing how they achieve their success. Today, Karen Delaney with The Cozy Cottage shares all about her winning piece and her secret to refinishing. When you think of refinishing furniture, so often the question arises, do I paint this piece or not? So today we hear from Karen on her tips and suggestions on how to make the right decision. Hi, Karen. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Lane. Good to be here. And welcome to spring as well. Are you a big spring summer fan? I, I'm definitely more of a fall fan. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we we kind of went from winter here in Kentucky to it's spring, but it's a, getting a little too warm for for my liking. It was like 80 yesterday. So I feel like we kind of didn't have spring. <laughs> I know, I know. I guess, I guess uh, we have pretty similar weather uh, to to uh, North Carolina to Kentucky. But spring came so early for us this year, and that brought all the pollen out early. And I don't know if you guys have this, but it's like everything becomes yellow. You know, the streets, the cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's pretty heavy pollen right now. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm like you. I. I just hope that the transition is a little smoother. Um, I don't know. The other day it was like in the low seventies. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. The weather was so nice. The humidity was low and yeah. it's like, you just want to hang out there for a while. You don't want to jump yeah. into like that, you know, like you were talking about the high eighties and the high humidity is just, uh, it makes it a little un- unenjoyable to be out. <laughs> so, yes. Okay, so. Yeah. I feel like mine is all dependent on since I, I work my workshops in my garage. Um, it's all dependent on like my enjoyment of the weather is dependent on what I can get done in the garage. If it's too cold or <laughs> if it's too hot, then it's like, you know, it's not good for me. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's get to the big highlight, Karen. You won best restored wood unpainted in the 2022 GBAs. That's quite an accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. I was, yes, it was very shocking. I will say that. Oh, come on. You, I mean, this is such a beautiful piece. I mean, it, it's just, 
I mean, it's uh, the work that went involved, uh, that was involved in it, and just how how beautiful this piece turned out. You're you're, you're humble to say that. <laughs> well, I pre- I mean, there's just so many great like restorers and refinishers out there that I look up to that. It, it's definitely truly an honor. I mean, I was I my goal was just to get selected for the top three. So when that happened, I was elated, and and then to to go on to win, it was, I mean, it was a great day. So, well, I'm just glad we have this uh, awards event to reward folks like you and all the others that uh, work so hard and and get recognized not only by your peers, but also by the public. It's, it's, it's a wonderful way to let the public know that uh, you guys are out there and uh, there's mm-hmm. certainly an option, uh, another option to buying furniture, uh, as, you know, and furniture that lasts for a long time. That's good quality, exactly. beautiful and one of a kind, you know, it's, it's incredible. Well, this, I, I think you mentioned uh, in your Instagram account that uh, this piece was really heavy and I know it took a lot of work, yes. so <laughs> we're eager. Hopefully your back is okay. Hopefully you didn't damage uh, your back with this piece. <laughs> um, I did actually have back issues last year. Now I'm wondering, maybe, was this the Ooh. time that I had them? <laughs> I it, know. It, is de- it was definitely the heaviest piece that I have ever, and I used to, people probably don't know this about me. I was a college athlete. I used to power lift after college, so I'm used to lifting heavy things. Mm-hmm. Um but this one, I mean, it was, it was solid wood. And I mean, the wood that they used was so thick and then it had shelves and drawers. Yeah. So when I went to, when I was, was going to purchase the piece, the lady, you know, she's like, it's very heavy and and people say that. And I think sometimes I'm like, ah, it's not that heavy, you know, it's I'll, it'll be fine. And so my friend Tyler, I, I, I couldn't get anybody to help. Usually my dad helps me, um, to get the pieces if, if I need help with them and he wasn't available. So I asked my friend Tyler and I'm really glad I did because <laughs> we got there and even after taking the drawers out, I mean, this, I, I can't even, I mean, it had to weigh over three or 400 pounds. Like I, I, I know that sounds extreme, but I, we use like lifting straps and we, you know, you put it under the body of the furniture and you stand up with mm-hmm. your legs and then trying to get it up in the truck. It was like, oh my lord! <laughs> so <laughs> that was like the first challenge of the piece, and then it just seemed to continue um, from there on out. Do you ever, whenever you're looking at a piece, or you find out about a piece and it's really large or really heavy? Of course, you found out that it was that heavy when you got there. But does that ever deter mm-hmm. you? Are you like, ah, oh, it's real? No, that's going to be too much of a hassle. Um, not usually. I mean, I think china cabinets when they're you know, like big hutches and china cabinets that don't go into two pieces. Sometimes I will question that simply because I'm worried about the glass breaking or I'm worried about it being an angle in my truck. But usually if it's something that I really want, like I'll just figure it out. (laughs) So like if you, you know, if you see potential in something, then you got to have it. So yeah. Yeah. It's that determination and drive. Yeah. You, you know, you talk about it being heavy, and when you when you look at this piece, it, it does look heavy, uh, especially you know stripped down and seeing the beautiful wood grain. Uh, because there's, it's not an ornate piece; uh, it's mm-hmm. a masculine-looking piece, and it uh, it's just it's just incredibly beautiful. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this at all. So, mm-hmm. I guess my question, two questions for you: When you picked it up, was it painted? And then number 
too, when you stripped it down or when you really started working with it, had you ever seen anything like this before? So to the first question, um, when I picked it up, it was stained. So it was like a very orangey stained look. And I, I could tell it was burl underneath the, the stain. And so that's why I was so drawn to it. And actually my friend that came with me, he, I think he was kind of like, why are you buying this? <laughs> um, you know, he didn't see the potential. Like I saw that. I was like, if I know when I find something, if I'm willing to go get it right then, that means I want it bad enough. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was stained. And so that's, and then when I got it home, I think your, what was your second question? Well, when you started stripping it and working with it, mm -hmm. like, were you also just like my reaction? Like, I have never seen anything like this at all. This is so unique. Yeah, that, that was the, the thought when I first saw it, I actually got it on Facebook market. And so when mm -hmm. I first saw it, I was like, this is so different. And I don't usually do a lot of mid-century pieces. And so it was kind of out of my norm anyways. Like my, my niche is more antique and mostly antique pieces. And so that's when I was like, this is so rare. It's so cool. I have to, I have to have this. And then when I got there, um, probably the reason you've never seen a piece like that is the girl's grandfather made the piece. Mm -hmm. And she said he made it like in the forties. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, why would you get rid of this if your grandfather yeah. made it? It's, it's <laughs> such, you know, you can't get that kind of craftsmanship. I mean, you know, probably the wood was a little thick than thicker than necessary, but, but yeah, when I sanded it down, I knew that I wasn't going to like, at first I was, when I first found it, I was like, this would be cool painted black. Cause I do a lot of my niche also is more dark pieces, like moody mm -hmm. pieces, dark greens, blues, blacks. And it, and I do that because they sell. Um, but once I had sanded it down, I was back and forth on, do I want to keep it raw and like play up the, the raw colors of the wood sanded down but then it was mid-century, so that's not normally the the style for that. And so then I just went on an expedition of stain colors for many, many days. <laughs> so you knew once you uh, sanded it back, you said it had an orangey stain color to it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. so once I sanded that off, it, it was much more neutralized, the color. Um, it was kind of like... I don't want to say walnut because it's the the wood was burl, but that's kind of the color it reminded me of. Yeah. Um, I just sanded actually down a walnut piece, and that's kind of what it reminded, like the coloring. Well, when you said you uh, spent some days trying to figure out what to stain, mm. the type <laughs> of stain, well, that's what I was going to ask you is because it, when I see this, I was wondering how, okay, once you got it sanded back to its original wood, how close is what we're seeing to that? Or did the stain that you chose really change it to what we're seeing right now? I would say the, the character still shows. Cause you can see, like somebody said, somebody said you can see it looks like Dory from finding, you know, like faces in the wood. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, I never thought now I can't unsee that. Um, <laughs> but it, it definitely changed it a lot when I, when I stained it. Um, because I just, the, the raw wood just did, was not right. Uh -huh. And so that I went back and forth, like, do I paint wash it? Do I, you know, what stain color? And I, and, and that's where I went on my, my journey of, I, I call it frustration, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, frustration that led to beauty because 
you know, th- this is where the art comes in. This is where the talent comes in, is making those important decisions that completely affect the end result. And to be able to go through this, seeing it in its natural state, only you, and then trying mm-hmm. to figure out what stain to use, that's that's what makes, you know, uh, refinishers like yourself so talented. Um, now, when you stained it and you got it to where you wanted it, uh, what about top coat? Did you put a special top coat? Is it sort of a matte finish? Because I don't see a lot of sheen in it. I completely stained it with a general finish of stain. And, you know, as I was putting it on, it, you know, it goes on dark. So you're thinking it's going to it's going to dry better and it dried. I, I stained the entire piece. So I was like, oh, this is this is it. I took my I went to this the Woodcraft store and, you know, we tested the stains out because I don't know if, if people know that. But if you do go to Woodcraft, um, they will test the stains out on on pieces of wood for you so that you mm-hmm. can see what they look like. And I think that's that's awesome. That's why I'd prefer that over like a Lozer Home Depot in many cases. But mm-hmm. or if you're trying to match stain color. So I ended up, you know, staining the entire piece and it was just awful. Like I hated it. It was, it was more orange than the first one. Yes, it was was bad. (laughs) Um, And I was so frustrated and I'm like, I cannot believe that I have to sand this whole thing down again, but I couldn't, I knew it wasn't right. And I think that's like maybe a tip for folks is if you know, in your gut, like when something doesn't feel right or it doesn't look right. And so I knew I had to take all the stain off and then I, I probably tried and then at that point, I learned my lesson. So I, I used one of the doors and I literally tried like five or six different options of stain mm-hmm. from like armor seal to different tones and colors. And nothing was what in my head I saw the color to look like. And so finally, it was, I, th- I think one night, it, it was like 10 o'clock at night and I, I was like determined to get it figured out. And I had this um, gel stain from Fusion and it was like, a black stain and I'm like I'm just gonna it, it's kind of translucent if, if you've I had never used fusion stain before the mm-hmm. gel stain and it was a very translucent color and so I'm like well this this is black but it doesn't seem like it's gonna go on black and at that point I was like trying I was just kind of trying whatever because nothing was working <laughs> um, and so I, I put the you you actually can like paint on the gel stain it's different than normal gel stains from like a general finishes or a minwax or so forth mm-hmm. but you can actually paint it on and so I painted it on the door and I was like oh this looks this looks pretty good it's not like really black and I that, and then at that point, I just like let it sit for a day because I'm like, I need before I do this all over again. for the Because <laughs> I, I ended up sanding the whole piece down twice. Wow. After the first time. So I did it. Yeah, it wasn't fun. Well, maybe um, that made so, it a little bit lighter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm taking so much out of the wood. <laughs> That's right. So, um, so finally I did the, the gel stain and, you know, it, 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 most people were shocked. Like I've actually posted on the fusion site and people are like, this is black gel stain. That doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, trust me, if you've been working with me through this piece, you would know nothing makes sense on this piece. So, <laughs> so that's what I ended up going with. And it, it, it worked. Cause it, I think it like muted out the kind of the orange that was coming to the surface. And um, so that's, that's kind of what, what, what happened with it. And it is like, a. a it's not a sheen, like it's not a real shiny finish. So, yeah, and that that also works really well with the piece as a whole. Now, the big round uh, designs are those the handles? 
Yeah. Yeah. The big knobs. So So he made all of that stuff. I mean, that, that is so unique. Yeah, I'm like you. I would be like, I got to keep this piece. Maybe I'd hire somebody to refinish it, but I'd have to have it back in my home. Has she seen, has a granddaughter seen this thing yet? I did not send it to her, no. Um, I'm always like weary, like, do I send it, do I not? Because like, since her grandfather made it, but then I'm like, mm-hmm. well, she didn't want it. So I don't know. I never I never sent it to her, though. Sometimes I do if people ask, like when they found out I refinish and I paint. Mm-hmm. And they'll ask me to send them. Like, I'll tell them usually, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a furniture refinisher. I paint. And, oh, well, send me the picture. But, you know, she didn't, so I didn't. It's probably best that she doesn't because she may regret it even more, you know, if she, she sees yeah. it. Yeah, they're like, I want it back. And then exactly. you're like, oh, well, it's going to be this price. Yeah, so. exactly. Now, do you did you keep this or did you sell it? No, I ended up selling it. Mm-hmm. And I suppose they know, or have you relayed to them, the owner, that this piece? Uh... No, I don't even know who bought it. So I sell, um, at that time, I was selling out of a like a, a local um, kind of vintage and antique yeah. thrift, not thrift shop, but like a curated vendor shop. Right. Um, and so it was there at the shop and somebody bought it from there. So I don't even know who the person is that bought it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the important thing is that you know and that you uh, uh, can get the accolades for all the hard work. And I know when you think about all the process and the frustration that you were talking about, it's nice to be mm-hmm. rewarded. And I know for all refinishers, the reward truly comes at the end. When you look at it, you stand back and you're like, wow, this really is beautiful. But it's nice to get mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that uh, that award recognized by by your peers in the public. So uh, that's great. Now, Karen, I got to ask this. How long have you been refinishing furniture? I think it's almost been four years. So I oh. didn't really get heavy into it until COVID hit because um, mm-hmm. I used to travel for my job every single week. So I would fly out on Mondays and fly home on Thursdays. And so I just did it very casually. Mm-hmm just painted like a piece here and there. Um, but when COVID hit and I had so much time, I was like, well, I'm going to do this some more. And then, you know, when stuff starts selling, it's kind of incentivizes you to continue going. So um, that's really where I started to do it more mm-hmm. consistently was around 2020. Now, like a lot of people, what drew you into refinishing? Were you just doing pieces for yourself? I always like to think about this question. I'm like, when did I start? And I had, I knew someone who sold fusion paint Mm -hmm. and she painted stuff and I was going to do, I I was going to get like a booth at a local, like it's called, it's like a peddler's mall. And so I needed stuff to put in there. And so I was like, well, I guess this is like a good option for me to be able to sell stuff and sell like vintage and home decor as well as furniture. And so that's kind of how I got into it is she taught me kind of very basics of, painting. And then from there, you know, obviously as years go by, you learn more and more. So, Mm -hmm. and any art design background? No, (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) You probably didn't realize you had that in you. No, I I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life. So like the whole like creative, I mean, I used to like to do crafts and stuff as a, as a kid, but Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's always been like athletics and that's been my, even now, like I'm stressed to work out consistently and mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, this is just a different, it's just the transformation. I think for me of seeing something that 
somebody wants to get rid of and it's made so well and then they just want to throw it out or they want to sell it for cheap or whatever it is. And it's like, there's a reason that these pieces have been around for a hundred years or, you know, 50 yeah. years or so forth. So. Yeah, very cool. Well, we're glad you're um, in this industry. What was your biggest refinishing fear early on that you feel like you have now overcome? Gosh, it's, I, I've been thinking about this question, like my biggest fear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think like when you're new, your biggest fear is just messing something up. You know, I'm going to, what if I do this wrong or what if I, it, the paint doesn't go on right or so forth. I think those were all just early fears. I would say last year, my biggest fear actually started spraying furniture versus hand painting furniture. Mm-hmm. And I was, t- I mean, I, I bought the sprayer and I didn't use it for months because I didn't, I was so nervous. I was going to quote, mess it up. And so, cause you don't want to have to redo stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's just part of the process of learning. And so that's, that was probably my biggest fear. I would say just last year, cause I had hand painted and I still hand paint occasionally, but, but that was probably my biggest I would, if I had a fear, it's just, what if I'm going <laughs> to mess this up with a sprayer and have to do it all over again? And I, and that happened, you know, it yeah. happened many times. Well, you, you learn from, you know, the mishaps, uh, and oftentimes mm-hmm. those, those are really big, right? They help you to know how to move forward. Although when it comes to spraying, we would say hand paint, my goodness, just hand, mm-hmm. we, we'll get you more brushes. <laughs> I do love hand painting. It's just my, my thing. It's time anymore. Yeah. It's just like how much time I have, but I do love, I mean, obviously your brushes are awesome and shout out to the top coat brushes. Cause I just used those for the first time and they are absolutely amazing. Oh, cool. Good to hear. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah. Well, you know, you are an accomplished award-winning refinisher. Uh, and so with that, uh, folks kind of bend the ear when you speak. So, we want to know what is your one secret to refinishing? Okay. My one secret. I don't really, I feel like I'm an open book. Like I don't, I don't feel like I have a lot of secrets. Um, I would say from a, from a technical like standpoint, and I, I thought of like two, two responses to this question. I, I think that the more time you spend on your prep work, the better your piece and the outcome of your piece will be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. something when I was new, I didn't, I didn't know a lot about, I didn't know that when I should prom, when I shouldn't prom. And I'm kind of like team prom now <laughs> um, versus not just cause it, I, I think for me, it just gives me, I, I feel more confident in the piece, I guess. And when the customer takes it home and I feel like they're, it's going to last them longer, even though I know that the paint is made to not, to not do that. I would say that's that's probably one one thing is spend spend the time on the prep that you need to spend because laying the paint on it will show based on how much time you've spent preparing the piece properly and 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 that'll show in your finish work that'll show how your you know like I said how your paint lays how your top coats lay and just you know how, the overall look of the piece and mm-hmm. and I think some of us can get very anal about about some of those those aspects and you can't always be perfect but but that's I would say that's one one thing and then the other thing is I think about like a non-technical but just like a you know what your brand is Mm -hmm. is 
I think a lot of people want to replicate others and there's a reason that people follow your work. There's a reason that you're successful in what you do. And I think just embrace that. Um, mm -hmm. It's like comparison's a thief of joy. So when you compare yourself to other people or other refinishers, they may be doing something completely different than, than you do. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, when I try to go really outside my bubble and I don't do it really anymore is like, for me, it's dark pieces like blacks and navies and greens and, um, more moody pieces and more antique pieces that I do. If you look at my page and I do do a decent amount of bare wood, although I actually have a few in my garage right now that I'm doing. Um, but those are just for me what sells. And that's to me, like what my brand is. And so if bright colors are what's good for you or if whites and creams are what's good for you and that's good for your market, like hone in on that um, versus trying to create something that is not what's true to like you yourself as an artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great advice. What refinishing goals do you have for 2023? I actually set out a few goals. Um, one of my big goals is actually to get better at, like wood repair. Um, so from veneer issues to grain matching, you know, when you have holes in the wood or so mm -hmm. forth, I actually have a piece right now that I'm doing. And that's just not an area that I'm great at, you know, when there's, when there's damage to the, the wood and you need to blend it and tone it and all of those things, those are just not things that I'm great at. And so that is one of my biggest focuses this year, as well as just more complete refinishes versus painted pieces. So those are some of my goals. Well, good deal. We'll be watching closely <laughs> see, <laughs> to see how that's uh, panning out for you. I'm sure just like everything else you do, it will be excellent. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to get some tips from Karen on the topic of restored wood and how to bring out the beautiful wood grains. <music> Ellen with Vintage Key, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. When I used my first Zebra brush, I realized I wasn't losing bristles on my painted furniture anymore. Now I only use Zebra, and I can honestly say I've never lost a bristle. Not even one. As a small business owner, the quality of my tools matters. Zebra is as good as it gets. Thank you, Ellen, for your kind words about our brushes. It is a great encouragement. Refinishing furniture comes with a lot of sweat and hard work, but when a refinisher keeps to the task, when it's all said and done, it's usually quite rewarding in the end. I don't think it is uncommon for any refinisher to have plans to refinish a piece with paint, and then once they get to the actual wood, they make a change of plans. This is all contingent, of course, on the condition of the wood. Karen, you do incredible work from painted pieces to restored wood pieces, so we will learn more from you on how to know when to leave a piece unpainted, and as well, how to bring out the wood grain on a piece. Let's start with your refinishing process. Um, what do you look for that guides you to decide to leave a piece unpainted? I would say the biggest thing is the condition of the piece. If there are, you know, the, be the better condition that it's in. And, you know, I think knowing your limits on what you're able to repair mm -hmm. um, within like a piece, a, a wood piece that you're sanding down completely um, I usually look for ones that are in great condition and I don't have to do a lot of restoration to them so mm -hmm. that 
a repair work to them. That would, that's my biggest because that's not my strength, I would say. Um, <clears throat> so the cleaner the pieces and the better condition, that's, that's my biggest focus. And then also what the, the, what that wood grain looks like when I take the stain off. Yeah. And also, uh, with that, you know, and you've touched on this earlier, but, you know, sometimes when you see a piece, uh, and I'll give you an example. Uh, I had, uh, a little, uh, kind of a nightstand table that we were fixing up and sat around here for a while. And I thought, yeah, I gotta make this look good. I'm talking to all these refinishers. <laughs> I gotta make this piece look good. So I'd sanded it back, but there was a chip on the top and the goal was to stain this piece, uh, at least on the top. And so there was a chip on the front left corner. It wasn't huge, but it was still there and it was visible. So when I filled it in with wood filler and then sanded it and smoothed it off, it, it was smooth like the rest of the top, but you could see where the wood filler was. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if I just need to paint the top. So I thought, no, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and stain and it. it was a darker stain. And so I stained the whole top. And after I did that, you could not even see that little repair was even there. It was just amazing. I was really blown away at how the wood filler absorbed the stain with the rest of the wood. And it just, you know, now maybe that wouldn't work out for, you know, all different types of wood. But it was kind of cool because I went ahead and stained it and it worked out because mm -hmm. I was so close to just painting it, right? Because yeah. of that. So. <laughs> But I know that goes with, with, you know, that was sort of happenstance for me, but it goes with, uh, for those of you who are really professionals, have done this for a long time and you've learned and gleaned, you can make those assessments pretty quickly, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think you can, you can ascertain from the piece when, I think once you, for me, like I have a piece in the garage right now that's a buffet, and when I picked it up, I was like, oh my goodness, this is a hot mess. Cause like, you know, you can't tell in the photos and it had like this old varnish that it was almost like crackly. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking this thing is like a mahogany, like I'm going to, I'm going to have to sand all this off and then it's going to be mahogany. And because that's what I thought the, the piece was. And I'm like, and then I'm going to have to prime it 400 times because, because <laughs> I don't, I don't really love mahogany pieces. And uh -huh. so to like refinish that to me that I know like what sells for me and what doesn't, I think that's another thing. Like a lot, a lot of people may not consider is like the time investment, the financial investment and mm -hmm. um, like what is resellable in your market. And for me, my painted pieces go way faster than my re refinished piece. Well, I wouldn't say refinished pieces because I, those do go decently well, but, but I just enjoy painted better. Um, mm -hmm. unless it's like a bare wood piece where it's a light wood grain piece. And so it was interesting because this piece I, once I started sanding it, it was like a very, it's a very light wood. And I'm like, how has this been covered up for so long? Mm. Um, and I want to, I want to sand it. I, I have to sand it all down to get all the varnish off because it's, it's just so gross. And, you know, if I don't, do it properly it's it's not going to finish well but um but i have a client who already who wants it and she wants it painted and i'm like oh my heart <laughs> <laughs> that's hard <laughs> like, oh no because i'm like this would be beautiful it's just like raw wood um a raw wood piece but that's I, I, just the condition for me is the biggest thing like yeah and knowing my limits on what i'm able to to repair that will still 
maintain the integrity of the piece as well as what color the the rest of the wood is to your to your example yeah um because i i even have some drawers right now that i'm staining and i use stainable wood filler and i'm probably going to have to stain that wood filler multiple times to get it Mm. to match the other color you know yeah but it's funny because when i did this this uh uh nightstand i was like now I I think this looks pretty cool, and I thought, am I just just don't have the same standard that refinishers have? <laughs> you know, like would somebody go, <laughs> oh no, that doesn't go, that doesn't fly. Uh, but hey, if uh, you like it, Lane, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I wasn't selling; I was keeping it in our home, so it worked yeah. out good. Well, it it sounds like then when you start a piece, let's say if you get a piece and you're like, I'm going to paint this thing, and then you start sanding it. Uh, you leave, I mean, unless it's a commission piece, like you're talking about with this piece, if you just gave an example, mm-hmm. you leave room for change of plans in your own mind as you go through these things where oh, you're yeah. like, yeah, I was going to paint it, yeah. but now I'm going to stain it. Yeah. Like I am definitely the, the person that I'll just let the piece decide what color it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, or what I'm going to do with it. So if, you know, if I look, if, if the piece has, you know, if it's veneer and it's chipping everywhere and I have to take all the veneer off and then replace the veneer. Like to me, that's not a fine, that's not financially for my market. Yeah. that That's going to cost me more than it would to repair it with Bondo and sand it smooth, prime it, paint it, et cetera. Um, but, but a lot of times I will, I, I kind of just like let it decide <laughs> what mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Like I, I did a piece last year it was also a zebra piece um, and it was a buffet mm-hmm. and I ended up starting to sand it down and all of the wood was different tones and it was so beautiful that I was like, well, I'm just going to keep sanding this until, you know, cause I thought I was going to paint the piece, but you just never know what's under there. You know, you never, it's just like the piece that I, I did for the um, golden brush award. Like I had no idea what was going to be under there. I thought I was going to paint it and it, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I just couldn't paint the wood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hopefully some of those folks who, who get so upset at uh, refinishers who paint are listening to realize that this is really goes, well, this is really what goes through the mind of most refinishers is that, mm-hmm. you know, you're evaluating the pieces you go and oftentimes you, you may want to leave it unpainted, but you can't because of the condition of the piece. But the bottom line is it's your piece and you can do what you want to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really what yeah. it boils down to. And, I always, uh, I always kind of laugh at the, the opinions of the many that probably they have opinions, but they don't do this um, (laughs) consistently is, you know, at the end of the day, we're all trying to make money. I mean, let's be honest. Like I don't, I don't, I do this because I love it and I enjoy it, but I also want to sell my pieces and I want to, you know, get the, get the money out of them based on the time and money that I put in. And so when people are like, somebody just sent me a message the other day of like, yo, you should have left that. You know, you should, I can't believe you took this detail off and and et cetera. And she sent it to me and it's just like infuriating because you don't understand all the issues that this piece has, you know, like Mm -hmm. the leg is broken or (laughs) the veneer is, is chipping or there's gashes all over the top of the piece or the entire top would have to be replaced if I wanted to, to restore it. And then the cost of that, I mean, just veneer sheets are crazy expensive to replace the top. Like I have a walnut piece right now and I would love to replace the top, but it's to source it mm-hmm. and to, to pay yeah. for it. I mean, I'm not going to, 
so it, it's just, you know, I just, I just assume they don't know. And I try to <laughs> bite my tongue when, when I get messages like that, but you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, the piece is with a, a new home. So somebody liked it and that's kind of all that matters. Yeah. It's the challenges of putting yourself out there. I mean, right. it's, uh, when you go social, yeah. you are going to get some of that stuff. And the big thing I think is most people learned is just to gloss over those comments. So, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the details they don't and um, it's right. your business, not theirs. And so you make decisions that are best for your situation. Um, th- this question, I don't know if it's too broad, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there more work on keeping a piece unpainted versus painted? Oh gosh. I think it's just all dependent on the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sa- sanding like detail, I would say yes. Um, like the buffet, it's got all spindle legs. I mean, those take forever, regardless if you strip them or if you sand them, just getting all the nooks and crannies that, that is so laborious. But if it's, you know, if it's a dresser that I'm sanding down and, and the stain comes off easily, like, I keep referencing this walnut dresser I have. The stain came off relatively easy because it had been on for so many years. And so mm-hmm. I sanded it off and it would have probably taken me the same amount of time, maybe a little, a little less to scuff sand it, but then I would have had to prime it and then I would have had to prime it again. And then, you know, and so when I mm-hmm. think about that, it's, it's, it's just really dependent on to me, the detailing of the piece and how much, you know, how stuck on the stain is and how stuck on any varnish or so forth is. I kind of figured going into that question, there's a lot of variables. <laughs> that that clear involved. answer on that one. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I assume so, but I had to ask it. The pieces that you have done are absolutely beautiful. And one of the things that makes them beautiful is that you see the wood grain. And so, you know, from your experience, do you have any tips in bringing out the beautiful wood grain uh, on, a, on, on some of these old pieces? I feel like for me, I like if, if I'm going to sand something down completely, I'll know right when like you can't, you can't make it what it's not. Mm-hmm. And so like when you talk about bringing out the wood grain, a lot of times once you sand it, you know, can I, I and I prefer to leave them more bare wood, like just polyum or wax them at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do a ton of stain pieces. Um, and, and that's my focus this year is to do more stain pieces, but yeah, I, I don't know if there's like a trick to bringing out the wood grain. If it is, it's finding, I think it's finding the right product to use. Mm-hmm. So whether that is putting just like a coat of, of sealant or like poly on it or putting, cause that, that'll change the color of, of the piece or, if you're trying to darken it, that's that's kind of what I'm trying to deal with right now is do I do I stain it and then is that gonna darken it too much or do I wanna use a wax product where it's not gonna pigment it as much? So I think my biggest advice is just to test it. Um, yeah. like yeah. you know, try different products and, and that's something that some people are not really comfortable doing and it's something that I haven't been super comfortable in my early period until probably like early last year of, of just trying new stuff and kind of cutting your losses when you don't like a product and realizing like there's a lot of products out there that people, you know, you hear it from Adam from other people, but trying them yourself and, and kind of testing things out to figure out what, what works best with kind of your, your refinishing style 
is, is probably one of the best things that you can do. Yeah. I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as testing, <clears throat> because I think one of the challenges when it comes to stains and, and top coats mm-hmm. is just like, how is this particular piece with its particular wood uh, and how, and the aging agedness of the wood, how's it going to handle this stain? How's it going to handle this top coat? And you really, you can try it on other wood, but if it's not the same wood, right. <laughs> the same aged wood, it, it's probably going to react differently. So I think that's probably, I would imagine that puts some fear in folks too. Uh, but, but I think what you said is just key is just do it, do it on a small portion, let it fully dry and see how that looks because it's much better to sand that small portion than the entire piece back over again. So, yeah, it feels like a, a lot of time wasted to, to test. Mm-hmm. I'm going to test five different stains on this, but it it's better to go slow to go fast than it is just to kind of do it all and then hate it and then have to redo the entire thing. And so I've bought, I've bought three different products for the piece that I have now. And I just don't like it. It's kind of like a, a financial suck because you're spending money on a product that you're not going to ultimately use for that piece. You may use it for something else, but it's just, I know when it's not right. <laughs> so yeah. like, I just, I, I'm trying some new wax today and hopefully it'll do what I want it to or look the way I want it to. But if it doesn't, then, you know, it is what it is and I'll find something else. So, yeah. and I think that is one of the hardest things for refinishers is, you know, <laughs> it's not working the way I want it to. And it's frustrating. Yeah. Well, I guess those things just go in the stock room or inventory room, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For another piece. Yeah. <laughs> well, Karen, thanks for sharing not only about your winning piece, but also giving some tips on refinishing pieces without pain, how to know uh, when to um, keep it unpainted, uh, and then to bring out uh, those wood grains. Congratulations on an incredible job. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate the opportunity to submit my work and for you guys for hosting um, the Golden Brush Awards. It's it's great to just see all the wonderful pieces that people have done. I was blown away by the, the uh, you know, the, all the entries and everybody in every category. It was so hard to to pick the, the, the top one that I wanted to choose. So. Yeah, that's what makes it so exciting each year is it's like, you know, what are the trends this year? Who are some new folks and how are some of the folks that have been in it for a while? What are they doing that's different? And all that sort of comes to fruition when you when you have an annual event like that that's global. Well, I just want folks to know that they can follow you uh, easily on Instagram at the Cozy Cottage KY. And that is the period cozy period cottage period KY. And are you on Facebook, Karen? I am. It's just the, the Cozy Cottage KY. Mm-hmm. Very good. And any other social media, website, or anything you want to share? No, that is all I have for now. So one day I'll get a website. <laughs> <laughs> all in due season and due time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll <laughs> have right. some time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Karen. Yeah. Thank you, Lane. This week's refinishing tip comes from Tiffany with Refab 6. Hi everyone, this is Tiffany McMenamin with Refab 6. I am offering my refinishing tips of what I do before I paint a piece of furniture. Prep is so key. First off, I remove all hardware and doors or drawers. Then I give my piece a really good cleaning using a product called 
Rod Cutter, which is a great degreasing product. Or sometimes I'll just use, I'll just wipe down the piece with um, soap and water. After that, I will take a damp rag to wipe down any leftover residue. Then I will sand my piece using a high grit sandpaper. This is really important. This helps remove some of the previous finish and will also provide for a nice adhesion of the paint. Then I will go and fill in any flaws and dings with um, wood fillers. My go-tos are Bondo and Quickwood, but you can really use any wood filler for this. Then I will sand those down and just make sure everything's smoothed out. Most of the time, about 90% of the time, I will apply a stain blocking primer. The primer also helps provide a nice base coat for the paint. It is also important to sand in between coats to smooth out any finishes prior to painting. Then lastly, I will paint my piece with my go-to amazing zebra brushes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this helps and have a wonderful day. Thanks, Tiffany. Great info and checklist on what to do before you begin painting. Our question of the week, what is your biggest furniture refinishing fear that you have overcome is answered by our friends Joanna with Painting by the Penny, Anastasia with Furniture by Anastasia, Crystal with Foster Farmhouse Furniture, and Robin with RMP Designs. Hi everyone, my name is Joanna and I'm the creator of Painting by the Penny. And my biggest furniture refinishing fear that I overcame was using power tools. I felt so intimidated by so many of them, but always wanted to have the freedom to disassemble and put furniture back together or change it up a bit if I wanted to. I overcame this by starting to use small tools first until I became comfortable and always researching and watching videos on how to use these tools safely. When someone asks for my advice on how to start painting furniture, I usually say start small and that's the advice I use when it came to power tools. Now, when I think about refinishing a piece of furniture, I have the option of painting, sanding, changing legs, adding a door, removing a door, repairing. The possibilities are endless. Fear can stop us from being the best versions of ourselves, and you won't know if you're good at something if you don't try it. Even if it takes some practice in the beginning, you learn from your mistakes and you get better. So don't let fear stop you from trying something new. Do some research and reach out to the people that are part of this furniture refinishing community. Everyone's a great inspiration and are so helpful. Hi, I'm Anastasia with Furniture by Anastasia. And uh, one of the biggest fears or I would call it a misconception. I have overcame as a furniture painter, an artist, and just a human being is thinking that your work is only as good enough if it's liked by many. The fear of expressing myself and being judged. I'm open to a lot of finishes. I've done uh, different finishes, but my favorite ones are bold and colorful. And I love creating pieces that are a conversation piece. And the thing I realize, it's okay, it's not for everyone. So painting is my therapy. I love blending, create textures, create finishes inspired by nature, abstract work, if I may. So it's a little more complicated with furniture in comparison with art on canvas because it's not for lo- it's not just for looks, but it's also a functional piece in your home. So it's not easily swapped around in a place in your home or moved to another room due to many factors. So If the design is out of the box, your target audience is much more narrow, but I learned in my experience that there's always a customer for every look out there, and you just need to find your people. 
people that share your aesthetics and not to be you shouldn't be afraid to put yourself out there and you will run into negative comments i think people should know better but that's the reality and all you have to remember is that you should enjoy what you do and you create one-of-kind pieces that make a difference in someone's life and yes i think it's big and someone will live with that will look at it every day and enjoy as much as you do so don't ever get discouraged by not being liked by all be confident in what you do love what you do provide great service push yourself to learn and get better at what you do every day so hope you enjoyed it and have a great day Crystal Foster with Foster Farmhouse Furniture. My biggest refinishing fear that I overcame was definitely working with veneer. Veneer is so thin and can be so daunting. And there's so many beautiful pieces out there that have damaged veneer, but are worth saving. And I learned over time that great tools and a whole lot of patience go a long ways. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to get one of those pieces with that thin veneer and bring that original wood back to life without blowing through. Hi, my name is Robin Morley Plouffe, the face and voice behind RMP Designs. So happy to be here today and share my story. The biggest furniture refinishing fear that I have overcome is to trust and believe in the process and in yourself as a furniture artist. It all begins with the pieces I choose and what draws me to them. Whether it be their shape, size, or style, they have to speak to me. Once in hand, choosing how I refinish them is my next challenge. Sometimes it could be an easy answer, and I have a vision immediately. For others, sometimes I need to push myself out of my comfort zone, whether it be using a new product, a different technique, reconfiguring a piece, and or working with a new style. Over time, you become confident and less fearful in the products you use and all of the different processes, which can only be achieved by using them and seeing what works for you. When I'm working on a piece, they become a new little person in my life, even if just for a short period of time. We become friends and I am passionate about helping them become the best they can be and bring out all the good they have to offer all with the hope that they pull at the heartstrings of that one person the way they did for me when I rescued them. Putting your artwork out there, exposing your visions, and perhaps being recognized for it can leave you with a very vulnerable feeling. But over time, and refinishing many pieces, it becomes less fearful as you learn to trust the process and believe in yourself as a furniture artist. Thank you so much, Zebra Painting, for having me here today and I hope I have inspired those listening to take the leap and embark on this wonderful journey. It's a fun ride. And P.S. I absolutely love zebra paintbrushes and am completely confident in using them. Thank you. Thanks Joanna, Anastasia, Crystal, and Robin. Welcome to our new podcast segment called Furniture Bloopers. How many of you think you are the only ones that make errors or gaffes in your refinishing process? Maybe you had an incident that occurred with a client that you were terribly embarrassed about. Well, you aren't the only one. Everyone makes mistakes and we all learn from them, don't we? Well, our friend Becky with Phoenix Vintage Furniture suggested that we add a segment like this to our show as it encourages others to know that you are not alone. Yes, we all make them and it's okay. 
Life is too short. We can look back at these bloopers knowing that it wasn't great at the time, but you probably won't do it again. And this is one more way we can glean from one another. And you know how it is. Often days and weeks after it happens, it's not as big of a deal as it was at the time. It's actually one of those stories you tell later, and it may bring a chuckle or two, but ultimately you really do move on. Today's furniture blooper is shared by our good friend Christine with Driftwood Home. Hey guys, it's Christine and I own Driftwood Home Furniture and I'm going to share with you my worst furniture blooper. And oh my goodness, this happened a few years ago when I decided to take an old cabinet I found and make it look more modern. I added, you know, brass accents, painted it a really pretty dark gray and then had purchased some new legs to install on it. And that's where I went way wrong. These legs were probably a little too small, too light duty to support this larger cabinet. But, you know, I moved it around to stage it. It seemed sturdy and good to go. And I had had a retail customer at the time who was going to use it in her shop to display some items. And great, I was excited. And so we delivered it and upon delivery, we had to go up a really narrow flight of stairs and make a tight turn. When we turn, one of the legs hit up against the wall and popped off. And I said, let's keep going. We got it to the top. We were trying to prop it up. It was falling over. It was a disaster. I was so fortunate my customer was very understanding We had come more than an hour to deliver it, so I didn't have anything to repair it on site. She said, that's okay. My dad's coming. He can repair it. He is kind of the fix-it guy for everything here at my shop. And I said, you know, you're great. I appreciate you. And the cabinet's on me. I'm not going to charge you for it. Long story short, I'm still making mistakes. I am learning all the time from each and every piece I do, but I always try to create a piece I can be proud to sell to a customer. And that's it for me. Thanks for listening and good luck out there, guys. Christine, I am impressed with your comment when it happened. Let's keep going, you said, as you guys were moving that furniture piece up the steps. That's a great motto. Glad it all worked out with the client. Thanks for sharing. If you had a furniture blooper that you wouldn't mind sharing on the podcast, please reach out to us. You don't know how your mistake may be quite instrumental in keeping others from making the same one. Email me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Hi, Diane Williams here with Art to Die For and International Decorative Artisans League. I'm here to invite all of the Zebra listeners to our upcoming Decorative Painting Convention to be held April 24th through the 29th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Please check out our website at decorativeartisans.org to see the amazing list of classes, everything from stenciling to muraling to painting cabinetry and furniture with the sprayer. There's a vast, vast list of classes. Please come check it out. We're also going to take a field trip to High Point Furniture Market for inspiration and to learn what our designers are all going to be seeing and how we can help them. So I hope to see you there.
We just announced the winners for our March Zebra Staging Contest with Jen and Amanda, the Vintage Sisters. The three winners, Amy with Panolo Designs, Shelly with Consider This Furniture, and Danielle with Hall Refined Design will co-judge for this month's staging contest. All you have to do to enter is post your pieces with the hashtag ZebraStagingApril. Jen and Amanda, along with our three winners for March, will review the hashtag the 1st of May and choose three winners. The winners will be chosen based on the effectiveness of the staging. And this covers the quality of the piece refinished, how the pieces are staged with a particular style of furniture presented, and last but not least, the quality of the photography. If you want to learn more about staging, make sure you go back to a recent podcast episode 51 entitled The Art of Staging. The three winners will receive a special framed award, zebra paintbrushes, and appear on our podcast to be interviewed by Jen and Amanda. Also, the three April winners will co-judge with Jen and Amanda for May's staging contest. We just announced the winners of the March Zebra Review category focus was Zebra Hutches. Congratulations, Anne Michelle with Mini Design Ashburn, Tiffany with Refab 6, and Heidi with Uncommoner Decor. For April, the category theme is Dining Tables, and our featured judge is Katie Scott with Salvage by K. Scott. If you have refinished any dining table from January 1st through April 30th of 2023, simply use the hashtag Zebra Dining Tables. Katie will pick her five favorites, then the remaining three judges, Jen with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, Katie Clow with Katie Company and Home, and Lauren with Portland Road Living will vote out of Katie's selections to choose the three winners. This month's prize sponsors are Mud Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Painting. The winners will appear on the podcast and be interviewed by Katie. Thanks for joining us each week. We are grateful for each of you. All links to artists will be in this week's show notes. We can't tell you how encouraged we are when we hear from you or when we read your reviews on one of the podcast directories. Speaking of podcast directory reviews, would you consider leaving one on your favorite directory if you haven't already? This helps tremendously in our ability to reach more people as well. It is a big boost to our ranking. As a thank you for leaving a review, we would like to send you a small gift. Simply screenshot your review and email it to me, laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Put podcast review in the subject heading and include your full name and mailing address. Okay, that's it for this week. Until next time, friends, happy painting.